Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lent. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is the president and CEO of LaPortia La Mitchell Presents. Mr. LaPortia Mitchell, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I, can't... I know my first name is a little difficult. LaPortia Mitchell Presents. Oh, okay. Did I, did I, wait a minute, did I say it incorrectly? You, you said it a little bit, but it was okay. I know it's, 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 it's a lot. <laughs> Nah, it's, it's really not. It was just me. <laughs> it was just me. I was reading it, and then it then it kind of got a little fumbled in my brain. But we good. It's not that complicated. I don't want people thinking it's that complicated because it's not. Thank you. How's your day going so far? It's been busy. It's been busy. Yes, but it, overall, it's been good. I'm blessed to be here, so I won't complain. But it's been a busy, busy day. Okay. So me and you actually became friends. Um, I actually saw you on um, Slim Podcast. I think that was like maybe two years ago. Yes. Yeah. That was before my book even came out. Slim Podcast. Yeah. And I, so I really enjoyed your perspective on it. So I started following you. And um, I, I, you could correct me if I'm wrong. It feel like you wasn't as active on social media, but now I feel like you've become more active like within like a last... Maybe not even a year. Am I correct? Yeah, you are correct. Like maybe the last four weeks, maybe. I mean, I'm active. Like I was not active, but you get to a point where you're like, okay, you're all in or you're all out. So yeah, I'm going live like every Sunday. I'm going live in the middle of the week. You know what I mean? You know, for a few moments. So yes, I'm more active now because the goal is more clear. So let's let's paint the picture for clarity. What exactly do you do? So my name is LaPortia Mitchell. I'm an author. I'm a podcaster. I'm a YouTuber. I'm a survivor. Um, I'm a mother. And what I want to do, what I feel my purpose is, what my, my goal is to, because I've overcome so much, I want others to be able to overcome as well. So I just want to put the information out there for them to start different conversations, maybe trigger a certain thought that will allow them to just expand their mind and kind of begin to be untrapped. I hate to say that, but sometimes we have such a limited capacity to our mind. Um, so that's what I do. I mean, I podcast, I YouTube, I write, and, and, and I speak, you know, so that that's what I do. Okay. Now, one of the words you usually describe yourself as survivor. Is that something you've been open about what you survive? I have. Okay. Yes, I do share my journey freely. Um, so I feel like I've overcome poverty. Um, I was born into poverty. I was raised by, I was born to teenage parents, like I said, and I was um, raised by a single mother. I was molested at a very young age. So I just feel like statistically, I should not maybe be where I am, but somehow I was able to survive this circus and I'm here now and I would like to let someone else know you are a survivor and you can thrive, even if your beginnings maybe were not ideal. What were some of the resources that helped you survive? I think... Um, get into a place of going to therapy and accepting that um get into a place of mentorship having like mentors around you who maybe did more um 
some other resources. I was like, you know what? I grew up super religious and I'm not in the church now, but I do feel like my faith played a part in it as well. So like my faith, mentors, therapy, and just seeing that there are more options out there, just being able to somehow dream bigger and have imagination that will let me know that there's more out there. Are you currently um, in therapy or? Yes. I love my therapist, Miss King. Um, she She's like an aunt to me. Like I tell people all the time, you know, you bet your therapist. Like she's not the first therapist I went to. She's actually my third therapist. I've been to only Black women, but she's the one who resonated with me the most. And I felt like she understood my background. And um, you don't have to necessarily have a Black therapist, or if you're a woman, you don't need a woman, but you want to have someone that's culturally aware. So she understood religion and how religion plays like such a big part in the Black community at some point. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I am actively in therapy. How did you arrive at the decision to go to therapy? Feeling as if I was hitting like a brick wall. Like um, feeling as if, okay, they're saying this, but I'm feeling this. Something. I don't, I don't know like where the exact idea, but I was like, something, somebody, someone said a therapist may work. So I could have honestly saw it maybe on a TV show I watch. I watch a variety of television or maybe a movie, but I know I was hitting a brick wall. I knew my faith was not giving me the answer. I knew my family was not giving me the answer. I knew my um, surroundings, you know, like my tribe was not giving me the answers and I needed, I needed more. So I just sought more and I found that within therapy. I found more answers within therapy. How long have you been in therapy? Since my first official um, counseling session was 2018. But like I said, I've been to three different therapists. So I went to one therapist in 2018, went to her for a few sessions. It didn't really feel right. Um, I did. I stopped going. And then I went to another therapist in 2020. And then um, my recent therapist, Ms. King, I found her and I've been comfortable with her. So 2018 was my first episode of going there. Okay. Something you said, like, in one of your previous answers, actually piqued my answers. You said your faith wasn't giving you your answers. What did you mean by that? Because I'm, I'm very spiritually in tune and because I could not pray it away and I could not find answers within prayer or within the Bible, like I was taught, I was taught religion, you know what I mean? And the answers that I needed, I couldn't find. So um, I just needed something more. I needed clarity. I needed strategy. I needed um order like it was just certain things that I was not taught and they don't teach you religiously kind of at a certain point so I just I needed I needed more I didn't know I needed more until I went to therapy but those are the things I was seeking the strategy the order the clarity and different things like that you you mentioned faith so I'm gonna ask you a question um you know like in the church 
you know, they, they talk about praying and, you know, you know, go to God to your problems, you know, things like that. Do you feel like sometimes religion can become a hindrance to seeking therapy? Yes. Okay. Because what you will do instead of actually resolving the problem, you will go to God and he'll kind of be so more so like a crutch as opposed to just actually resolving the issue. You say he'll be more like a crutch? He'll be a crutch. So as a, I've experienced this, like, you know, with older generations, I have a grandmother and different things like that. And so, you know, someone can say, well, just pray the problem away. And in actuality, you can't just pray the problem away. You have to strategically solve the problem. You know what I mean? So it's like God or religion or Jesus or prayer or church will become this crutch. Like, it's okay. God is going to handle it as opposed to you actually strategically handle it. Like strategy is everything to me. Okay. Did you have support while going through therapy? No. (laughs) No, my family thought I was crazy. Like, (laughs) they're like, so you want to see a therapist? So you wanted to be a therapist instead of praying. And yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't. I found support in my therapist. But um, as far as like my family or what should have been my tribe, no, I did not support. Did that so lack it was of support, very lonely. Did that lack of support and loneliness ever make you question if you was making the right decision going to therapy? Yes. Yes. Because you're isolated. So now all of a sudden you're this, you're the one who's like, well, I can't just pray it away. Well, I can't just go to church every Wednesday and Sunday and Saturday at my church. We um, went three days a week and get an answer. So you're isolated and it's, it's very lonely. So I try to encourage people because you're healing, that does not mean like you're going to have this this parade of support around you or anything like that. I was left alone. My grandmother did not understand. And my grandmother was my best friend. I'm named after my grandmother. Her name is Portia. My mom did not understand. She felt as if I was um, not mocking her, but she felt as if her doing the best she could raising me was just enough. And because I was like, well, I didn't receive enough. I was molested. We were born here. Like, you know, it, it was not enough. She kind of, it almost felt like she was my enemy. So now we're not on that page. We're, we're getting a little bit better, but you know, I didn't have support. So a lot of times if you're healing, you, you won't have like that you support. It may come from outside of your family or your tribe, but you may not have it, you know, internally. Did they, so they, so, we, so even as of today, they still haven't fully come around? Um, I speak to my mom more with my grandmother. Not so much. She just doesn't understand. And like I said, she was my best friend. So that was a lot for me to accept. Um, overall, I think what happened was they saw my growth. They saw how I was able to set boundaries. They saw how I was able to overcome. They saw how I was able to achieve. So the acceptance came, but like with my grandmother, still no. I speak to her. It's not. It's not like all bad, but um, like I t- 
tell some people, I'm like, you're so blessed. You have a mom you talk to every day. You talk to your sister every day. You talk to these people every day. Like, that's just not my life. You know what I mean? So um, I found connections outside of my family. And I've made connections outside of my family. But my family is not necessarily, like, my go-to. I'm not speaking to my sisters daily or my mom daily and different things like that. But we're on the path to progress. So, so unfortunately, it did cause like a strain in the relationship. Yes. Okay. Okay. What what has it what has allowed you to be like within the last couple months? What has allowed you to be more open about like dealing with depression, dealing with postpartum, like all the things you're going through? What allows you to be more open about it? I think it's purpose. I think it's me becoming more focused. I think it's me wanting to actually achieve a certain goal um, of overcoming poverty, of overcoming um, being born into the situation to where, you know, like I say, a lot of times, statistically, society, I should be born poor and die poor. And I just don't want to accept that. So um, I have a voice. I feel like my voice is valuable. I feel like my voice is needed. And you get to a point where, you're like, okay, I'm just going to do this. I'm just, I'm going to share my story. I'm going to try to elevate. I'm going to take more classes. I'm going to take certain courses. I'm going to attend certain conferences. And I'm going to go all the way because someone needs to hear it. Someone needs to know that you can come from where I come from on my situation and excel. So literally, purpose is the only thing that's pushing me forward. <laughs> You, you've mentioned poverty quite often growing up in it. Um, I don't know if that's talked about enough, just like the effects of growing up in poverty. So I wanted you to just elaborate more, like how did that like really have an impact on your life? Because again, when you're in poverty, people like, I'm not gonna say people don't understand, but there's just, when you, when you say- You don't poverty, realize it. Yeah, you don't realize you're in poverty because so many people around you are in the same situation. So I thought it was normal for me to be 14, 15, 16. Like I need to work a job because I have to buy household goods. By the time I'm 18, 19, 20, I need to pay my cell phone bill. I need to pay my car insurance. I need to pay for my food. It is not normal. Actually, it's a lot of people and kids out there who, 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 you know, they're still on. And this seems so minute, but it's not. So I didn't realize it again until I got older. Um, you're still on your parents' insurance until 25. You're, they're still paying your cell phone bills. You don't have to worry about if they're going to buy your food or if you need to contribute to getting household items as far as tissue and cleaner and different things like that. I just did not realize it. As I started to get older, maybe 25, 26, 27, 28, and then younger people started coming up under me. And they're like, oh, yeah, my mom did this. My dad did this. And I'm like, oh, wow. I don't know that life. Because I've always had to provide for myself. Um, so with us, I also had uncles who were making money, like, illegally. And so everyone just looked at us as if we had money. And we did not. We did not, you know, so it was, it was difficult. It was difficult going from that transition to realizing like, okay, any money that we do have is being illegally made. 
And I have to work super hard to try to make whatever I'm able to make. So it affected me a lot. Do you ever sit back and think like what life would have been like if you didn't have to worry so much about taking care of yourself at a young age and you was able to just focus on normal childhood problems? Yeah, I have a sister. She is um, 26. She's 26. And she actually went to college. She graduated, but you know, sometimes college, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but it can seem like a scam depending on what you go for and if you're able to continue to go. But I'm like, uh, I messaged her and I say, I regret so much that I didn't know what I know now, maybe when I was 18, 19 or 20. And I could have been, the, our life could have been completely different. So I do actually live with a lot of the regret. That's something that I speak to my therapist about, that regret. And she just affirms that Portia is fine. You're taking the steps now. And you're 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 making strides now towards that future that you could have because it's literally not my fault of the of the situation that I was born into. Okay. But I do think about it. I'm gonna transition to uh postpartum because you did a live uh re- very recently and you were just yeah. you put a lot of information out about that. Was that something that you actually experienced personally? Yes, I did. So the post postpartum period specifically it's not just postpartum depression I don't think a lot of people realize it or even some women who go through it they don't realize it it's not even about depression it's just about your hormones regulating that period after birth and it may be two weeks it may be two months it may be two years even it can go up to that long um with my first daughter I had to go back to work very early I don't think I even got a chance to experience what I was just working. So I was in survivor's mode. With my second daughter, I was home more. I had a lot more assistance. I was way more comfortable. And I was still um, like sad. You know what I mean? So I just felt like it was important to let people know like you need support. Whether you have a husband, a boyfriend, a mother, like you, you need support. You need rest. You need to listen to your body. You need to... Um, be able to have that time, you know, especially those first few weeks, you know, after having a baby, it's crazy. Even for the dad, it's crazy. You know what I mean? So it's like a, you carry this child in you and then now this child is outside of you. Um, I also spoke about for parents who do not carry their child all the way, whether they're still born, whether they choose to abort, um, they still been pregnant. And I think it's just important for people to understand that they still experience, you know, maybe sadness or regret or that feeling of loss. So I just, I just wanted to address it. So you, you experienced it with both, with both pregnancies. I did in different ways. The first one, I mean, I didn't have time. I went back to work. Um, I was interviewed within a week and a half of having my child. And then I was back to work like, she was born September 9th. By the end of September, I was in a training room. Um, wow. huh? wow. Would you yeah. say the first the first one was the first case was more severe than the second case? Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't the first case, I didn't notice it that much because I was working. With the second case, 
I look back on pictures now and I'm like, wow, I was so sad. But the baby is well taken care of. She's well dressed. She's fed and everything. So with the first one, it was, I could not, I couldn't even give myself the grace to experience the sadness because I had to work. And then with my second one, I was at home a little bit more and I'm like, oh God, <laughs> you're just adjusting. It's just your hormones adjusting and, and, and you have a new life and it's just, it's just an adjustment period. She, we, they have great dads, like that's not the case, but it's just a big adjustment. So I just feel like moms and dads need more support during that um, postpartum period, like I mentioned bringing them food or coming to clean the home or just coming to the home if they trust you, you know, to watch the baby for a couple of hours while they sleep or clean or whatever. We just need to pay more attention to that postpartum period. Okay, I'm going I'm to ask you, and I don't even know if you know, know this, um, but you are you saying men can experience postpartum depression? I don't think men, I don't know if men can experience postpartum depression. But I know that period after birth can affect men a lot. Because imagine if a guy is, 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 this is his first child. Or imagine if it's his third child. And I mean, he could be tired. He's still up with his baby. So I don't want to say he can experience postpartum depression. But that period after birth, like I said, from, from week one to up to two years can be very difficult for men and women. Okay. 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 Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it'll be he may not be depressed, but he may be overwhelmed. He may be stressed. He may be tired. He may be, you know what I mean? So he 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 may not be depressed technically, but he can still experience like a lot of feelings that he may not acknowledge or think like, hey, I'm wore out too, you know, <laughs> I'm up with the baby or different things like that. And then with his partner being so emotional and regulating you know what I mean he could it could just be a lot for a man sometimes because you guys are less emotional than us so it can just be a lot for a man as well because I admit I didn't really even think about like I didn't really think too hard about you know men adjusting to after after the baby comes no it's a thing you guys have to (laughs) well see my situation was different because my so my when, when my daughter was born, my daughter was born premature. So she spent um she spent like 84, 84 days in the NICU. So it definitely was a different um a different I know situation. guys who've been through that. I know a lot of single fathers. I know a lot of guys whose child have been in the NICU and they're there like daily, whether it's on a lunch break or whatever. And so it's just as a human, as a person, that's a that's a different experience. That's a lot. How long did your especially last? for your child? <laughs> How long did your postpartum last? For my second one, it maybe until she was about seven or eight months. So it it was a lot. I look back at pictures when she's like five months, and I'm like, oh my god, she looks so cute and she's dressed so cute, but I was so sad and. It was nothing she was doing. It was nothing her dad could have did. It was just me just regulating. Okay. It's just, wow. I mean, yeah. It, it's just the whole, just the whole, um, it's just different, like with men and women, because women just, they carry the baby. Uh, 
they get the bond with the baby. Whereas we don't, we don't really get to actually start bonding with the baby until the baby is born. And then but once they're there, I mean, it makes such a big difference in y'all life. I mean, most most fathers, like, again, I can't speak on, like, those outlier situations or not good situations, but, like, with most dads, once that baby is there, once you see it, it just, it's a change. It, it makes a difference. And you, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad you mentioned fathers because so I, I heard you mention on one of your lives, um, you didn't grow up with your father, but you actually was able to I didn't. Well, I, I grew up with my father. I grew up with my father technically until I was about 12, but more so his mother, my grandmother, was a big part of my life. And she okay. made sure I saw him. But she would always get Okay. And literally the last memory I had was maybe being 12. And then I didn't speak to my dad again until I was like 30. My younger sister, my dad's daughter, my sister on, on my dad's side, she was graduating college and she invited me to her graduation. They live out of state and I came. And from that point on, we've been fine. We've been fine. I had, to forgive, I had to forgive and I forget a lot of stuff because I was so angry for so long. But once I forgave and once I forgot, I, I mean... Literally, that was the only way for us to move forward because he was not stuck in the past. So if I was stuck in the past, I don't think I would have been able to move forward. But um, yeah, we're we're great now. My kids love him. He's like the best granddad. It's crazy, but yeah, we're good. How, I mean, so many people struggle with that. Like, how did you find in your heart to forgive him? I did not have a choice. I was either going to forgive him or not have a relationship with him because he, unfortunately, he had, he was, so if he's 51 now, he was maybe 48 when we reconnected. He, he just, he had grown and he didn't have time. And I mean, he could not even <laughs> go there with me. And I was mature enough to say, you know what? He can't go there with me. He's setting a good example. I see his daughters that he's raised in his home with his wife. They're going to school. They're going to college. They're making something out of themselves. Me seeing him love his um, daughters with his wife actually, like, helped me to accept him. And I'm like, he's not a bad person. I don't know why I didn't see him since I've been 12. I don't. It, and then I had children, so I'm like, well, maybe it was my mom. Like, I don't know, you know. So I accepted it. I let it go. And because we both kept showing up for each other, we were able to just, even now, like if we have a misunderstanding, I mean, I don't know, we're just able to talk it out. We're, we're very much alike. And um, like I said, my girls love him so much. So I just, I'll make it work. It was hard, but I'll make it work. So repairing that relationship, did it bring any peace to you? Oh, yeah. I feel like a lot, most of the time when I talk to my dad, I feel like a little kid. <laughs> I feel like a little kid. Even at this age? Even at this age, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> or if he tells me I'm beautiful, if he, um, if I see him like any of my work and he's like, oh my God, that's so good. I'm so proud of you. It makes 
me, it makes up for all the um the lost time. So I'm not saying it's everyone's situation, but it is mine and it makes me feel amazing. We're going to North Carolina this weekend to celebrate his mom, my grandmother who passed. And um, you know, it's gonna be a good experience. And I'm I'm excited and I'm I'm blessed to feel like I get to be a part of it with him and my paternal side of my family so now is this the this the grandmom that helped um like that was active and, and still in your yes. life who orchestrated like even if i couldn't see him i was with her and she would cook for me and i remember like her pancakes and i remember her pork chops and i remember her calling me like Pooh, come on poo and she would have all these like little um i don't know what those dolls are called not glass dolls but like these little I mean, I was just treated like a, yes, I was treated like a princess when I came to her home and I was just spoiled and I was just very well taken care of. Yeah, did so she, I did miss she, her a lot. She passed in February, unfortunately. And um, I miss her a lot. And I, I'm just glad that I have this opportunity to go and celebrate her life. So she actually did get a chance to see y'all reconcile. She did. She met her grandchildren. She met her great grandchildren. Um. Yes. Yep. When I first saw her in 2020, after 18 years, I cried. I just hugged her and cried. Yep. Because <laughs> huh? I didn't really understand what happened. You know, from 12, you don't, you don't know. You're not making like those type of decisions. So I did. Yeah. Did y'all actually? She's proud of me. She knows I work in information technology. Like she would call me and say, "Hey, you work with computers, right? Can you help me with this?" <laughs> <laughs> and she would send me like a check with for the girls for Christmas she was still right check and yeah so yeah I miss her a lot but that's that's really good that she got a chance to um see y'all reconcile because I'm sure that did her heart really good oh yeah because she loved my dad my dad is her baby boy so I was her first grandchild and she loved me so much so no matter what I always knew she loved me and that's important and it's just a good feeling, you know, of course, to know that you're loved and that you're wanted and needed and different things like that. So I'm looking forward to this weekend. Okay. You you started La Portia Mitchell Presents. Um, what are you looking at? What is your main purpose for starting that? When I started my company, so I didn't even know what an LLC was, but everybody, I started healing in like 2018 and I didn't purchase my LLC until 2021. Because they, of course, I'm learning all of this from scratch. So I just had, I just heard people saying, you have to purchase the LLC. I was like, okay, so I have to get an LLC. And God literally told me, like, don't limit it. So La Portia Mental Present allows me to be open. Um, for me, it's an all-inclusive wellness media marketing brand. Um, I released my book underneath it, my seven-year-old daughter's book. Um, I've helped other authors publish their books. We do like a book and brunch. So I don't want to limit it because I have a podcast, because I have a YouTube channel, because I like to blog. Um, La Portia Mitchell Presents leaves it a little bit open. And also my name is La Portia. I had to like accept my name for a long time. At first when I started business-wise, I would go by Portia Sherrill, which 
my middle name is Sherelle, which my family calls me. And then Portia, of course, is a short, shortened version of my name. And God was like, I want to bless you. <laughs> Look, Portia Mitchell. And I had to accept my name. So I went through that whole thing. And that's what I titled my business. And he's been blessing me ever since. Why was it so difficult for you to accept your name? Because it was long. And I didn't, I feel like it was not like a, like my daughter's name are Summer, Grace, like, you know, just simple names. And I'm like, Ma, why did you name me, you know, this long name? Even though I was saying that to my grandma. <laughs> like, this is a lot. And people will have difficulty pronouncing it. And um, so that was my experience growing up. But now I love my name. Um. I feel like it's one of a kind. I feel like God intended for me to have this name. And um, I'm rocking with it. I, I like it. I love it. Okay. I'm going I'm to close with this. Um, you've battled a lot. You've battled depression. You've battled um, postpartum. Yeah. Like so many things. What does peace look like for you today? Oh, right now what I have. Um, Peace looks like to me, I'm doing, I'm living my life by my rules. So it's not what society says. It's not what religion says. It's not what my family, it's not what anyone says, but me. And I'm super happy. I'm super peaceful. I sleep very good at night. I have anxiety. So sometimes I don't sleep that good at night, but I'm so happy. And I have a vision of where my life is going and it brings me a lot of peace as long as I stay focused, as long as I continue to do the work. So I had to let go of what anyone else told me my life should be and just do what God tells me. And so I can stay focused. Um, it, it brings me peace. It brings me joy. And um, every day, even though things aren't perfect, I'm like, I have so much peace. And it's priceless. So peace for me is living my life exactly how I feel the divine one wants me to live my life. And it's not being reckless. Like if you're just out there being reckless, like I can do what I want to do. Like, no, that's not what it means. But you know what I mean? It's, it's doing the right thing and it's moving forward in spite of, uh, that's what brings me peace. I want to take the time to thank you for doing this. Um, I really appreciate you um, taking this time to do this. And also, I just want to congratulate you for overcoming so much because unfortunately, yeah. poverty and uh, being molested and depression, those things can actually just derail a person's life where they never recover. So I want to congratulate you for being strong enough to survive that. Thank you so much. That means a lot. And I just want other people to know that hopefully they can survive. I have a sister. She's not as strong as me. And unfortunately, it's the complete opposite of what I'm doing. But I fight for her. I fight for myself. I fight for individuals who are trying to do the right thing just to let them know, like, please keep going. Please stay focused. It's a light at the end of the time. Okay. And before we end it, please tell the people how they can follow you and how they can get in touch with you. Please follow me on IG at OPortia underscore. That's O-H-P-O-R-T-I-A. Search me on Facebook, YouTube, L-A-P-O-R-T-I-A Mitchell, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L. You can find me on LinkedIn at the same place. Just follow me, support the journey. And like I always say, 
on on my page and on my platform your healing journey is your own but you are not alone and you just must keep pushing all right again thank you for taking the time to do this and i wish you all the best thank you so much you have a good one all right i want to take the time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast i truly appreciate your support you can follow me on instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp my facebook is also conversations with lamp you can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.